We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. To the Batmoles. May the force be with you. Who is that mask man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. As always, we'll start the show with some genre-related news before we get to today's discussion. Amazon's Lord of the Rings series completed filming in New Zealand on August 2nd. A first-look image was also released. While the show is rumored to be set during the Second Age of Middle-earth, the image seems to be from the First Age. Fans have made this speculation as, if you look closely at the picture, you can make out what would seem to be the Trees of the Valar. And, of course, they were destroyed during the First Age. You can view the picture on one of the Fantastic Forum social media pages. And while you're there, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. We like to be followed and we love to be liked. The Lord of the Rings series debuts on Amazon September 2nd, 2022. New trailers dropped this week for Venom, Let There Be Carnage, starring Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson, and Why the Last Man. You can view both on the aforementioned FF social media pages. Venom opens in theaters this fall. Why the Last Man premieres on FX on Hulu September 13th. Cobra Kai's Zolo Maraduena has been cast as Jaime Reyes in the HBO Max Blue Beetle movie. This will be DC's first adaptation of a comic book featuring a Latino superhero. Maraduena said, The only thing that is on my mind right now is just the fact that he's Latino. I think it's so important, and I don't want to stand on the soapbox for too long, but representation is so important. Blue Beetle will begin production sometime next year. Star Wars The Bad Batch has been renewed for Season 2 on Disney+. Plus. Jeez, was there ever any doubt? Disney Plus president Michael Paul said, Fans have enthusiastically embraced the action and drama of Star Wars The Bad Batch, and we are excited to see the Star Wars animated universe continue to expand on Disney+. The show features the voices of Ming-Na Wen, Archie Panjabi, Dee Bradley Baker, and Michelle Ang. Star Wars The Bad Batch returns next year. And big doings this weekend is the annual anime convention, Otakon, returns to the DC Convention Center. Yes, it's a live event, people. The show celebrates anime and East Asian popular culture and runs through Sunday. You can get more information via the website at otakon.com. Today, we're talking about some of those news items and more. But before we introduce the panel, here is the official FF review of The Suicide Squad, written and directed by James Gunn, which opened in theaters and streaming via HBO Max yesterday. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. The Suicide Squad is the sequel to the 2016 film directed by David Ayers. 
This time, it is James Gunn at the helm for this wild ride with a team of supervillains. Yes, you heard it right, supervillains. The movie is based on the comic book series created by Ross Andrew and Robert Kaniger and revived by John Ostrander. Ostrander's modern version of the Suicide Squad, also known as Task Force X, is a group of criminals recruited out of prison by the government for black ops missions. The film expands on the team which was introduced in the first movie. Gunn writes and directs. He was a good choice for this material. His irreverent writing style works for the genre. He seems to relish the opportunity to inject levity into the larger-than-life comic book style characters. It will be interesting to see how things develop between Gunn and DC Warner. After writing and directing two successful features starring the Guardians of the Galaxy, Gunn had been on the outs with Marvel Disney following the revelation of some offensive tweets he'd made over the years. Marvel fired Gunn from the third Guardians of the Galaxy movie and DC scooped him up for the Suicide Squad. And despite outlasting the controversy and being rehired by Marvel, Gunn has continued to advance his relationship at DC, not only with the Suicide Squad, but also writing and directing a spin-off television series featuring The Peacemaker. Gunn capitalizes on the familiarity moviegoers have with the first film, and as is the case with most sequels, there is almost no time spent establishing character and situation. The film opens at Bell Reve Federal Penitentiary as the latest version of Task Force X is assembled for a new mission. Reprising her role is Viola Davis as Amanda Waller, the founder of the task force who serves as its handler for the government. She drops the group into a meat grinder of a mission that illustrates the team's nickname. Also returning are Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, Joel Kinnaman as Colonel Flagg, and Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang. Joining the cast are Idris Elba as Bloodsport, John Cena as the aforementioned Peacemaker, Michael Rooker as Savant, Daniela Melquire as Ratcatcher 2, Pete Davidson as Blackguard, Mei Ling In as Mongol, Sean Gunn as Weasel, Flula Borg as Javelin, David Dasmalchian as Polka Dot Man, Sylvester Stallone as the voice of King Shark, Nathan Fillion as the detachable kid, and Peter Capaldi as the thinker. This film succeeds in many areas where the first one fell flat. It manages to engage and entertain the audience while maintaining a cohesive story. There's lots of action, it's gory in parts, and it's funny while still being sort of serious. It's also pretty faithful to the source material. I think there is frequently a tendency on the part of filmmakers to make wholesale changes as they adapt comic books into film. They frequently fail to take into consideration the reason the source material has enjoyed an ongoing level of popularity. I'd say there were some terrific Easter eggs, except for that the elements were central rather than peripheral. But even as a central figure, I think the inclusion of a longtime comics character like Starro the Conqueror rates as an Easter egg. Ditto with the use of characters such as Polka Dot Man and King Shark. As a fan of the DC Comics, I get excited when some of the more obscure or absurd characters get some play in a major motion picture. There are a lot of great actors in this movie. As an ensemble picture, it necessarily suffers from some underdeveloped characters. But in particular, 
Viola Davis, Idris Elba, and Margot Robbie all shine. I also like John Cena and Daniela Melchior. I felt like Gunn's mastery of the art of assembling the elements makes it more difficult to be critical of the work. There isn't any pretense about this movie. It doesn't try to be anything other than what it is, which is refreshing and a departure from some recent DC movies where there seems to be a proclivity to try to make highbrow statements or present as profound. I've seen those efforts as ham-fisted at best and disingenuous at worst as filmmakers put one over on their audience. The movie runs two hours and 12 minutes with a brisk pace. It's exceptionally violent and frequently gory with a sprinkling of sex. In other words, it earns its R rating. It's definitely not for kids. I'd be reluctant to bring even young teens to this movie, but it's totally fun for adults. Get a babysitter and enjoy yourself. All in all, a well-crafted film in which all the elements combine to make for an enjoyable movie-going experience. Three stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. And there you have it, the FF review of The Suicide Squad. And very important, The Suicide Squad, <laughs> which isn't uh, not to be confused with one of these other pictures. But uh, in theaters now and available streaming via HBO Max. So, uh, without any further ado, I will introduce my guest for today. I am... Joined by in studio, Roberta Ortiz. Nice, glad to be here. Well, nice to have you here, sir. Julian Lytle. Hello. And via the miracle of technology, the ever fabulous Shireen Nicole. Thank you very much, Shireen. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're uh, propping her. It's like we can burn it. We're propping her to be in the chair. Uh, you yeah. know, it's like bad. You know. <laughs> hey, anyway, though, look. So uh, you guys just heard what I had to say about um, the Suicide Squad. I'm just curious. I, I, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole or anything talking about this movie, but I thought it was a real fun movie, and yeah. I'm just curious kind of what you guys thought generally and uh, you know because I have some inkling of what you thought Julian uh, let's start with you oh I think it's a well-made movie that I didn't care for <laughs> <laughs> and I so appreciate yep. the distinction that you were able to make because you got to have real refined tastes to recognize that something is well done but also to know that it's not for you yeah mm -hmm. so and I there are other things like that that I, I feel similarly about um, Shireen, uh, I understand you saw it before any of us. Uh, how do you feel? I think that the DCEU understands its villains better than it does its heroes. Yep. And that may be because it depicts its heroes as villains. Yep. Um, <laughs> and its and villains so as heroes. I, <laughs> um, you know, and so I, I like Suicide Squad a lot because it never, I don't think it depicted the villains as heroes. I think it depicted them as villains. Yeah, it you're showed right. you how they you're see right. the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but they were definitely bad guys who we just understood a little bit better, but did never came to think of as heroes. Um, and I think James Gunn did a really great job. I mean, Julian doesn't like James Gunn's style, so, <laughs> but. I think James Gunn did a really good job of capturing Suicide Squad as Ostrander wrote it. Yes. And I think the cast was amazing. The visuals were great. I mean, Sorrow is a kaiju. Come on. <laughs> um, 
And so I enjoyed it quite a bit. I do not understand why there was so much inexplicable peen in the movie, but hey, sometimes. <laughs> I'm sorry, so much inexplicable what? Peen. peen? Male genitalia. Peace. Oh, oh. Because if you show women, people would say it's exploitative, but if you show men genitalia. No, they make enough for all the time and they never show male stuff at all. Pretty much. <laughs> it can still be exploitative, I mean, though. It's very interesting, though, because I do feel like there was no exploitation of the women. Nope. The women were very, very well rem rendered. They didn't fall into the tropes that a lot of films fall into, but they were allowed to be full-bodied. My only drawback with this film, um, and when I say inexplicable peen, I'm not talking about <laughs> Cena in his draws. Cena in his draws, great. Do that again. Um, but, um, I think that the one drawback of the film that I can offer is that no one seems to understand Amanda Waller. And mm. I think it's a, a, a similar problem that we have with Batman, where the characters are so complex in who they are, what they've been through, and what their goals are, and how they get them done, that people tend to over-distill them down and just come up with a singular idea. That's a good but point. overall, great movie. Hmm. That's that's a very that, that's that's very interesting insight in terms of the Amanda Waller character. And I like that Viola Davis plays her. You know that this is an actress who um, if they are able to truly delve into the Waller character, who is going to be able to deliver that portrayal of her. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, so far it, it's been unrealized and and, and that's the well <laughs> regrettable. Uh, Roberto, what about you? What do you think about I the Suicide Squad? I loved it. I compared to the first one, which I saw once, and I'm I was like, ugh, and I have not seen it again. This one, I cannot wait to see it again. It felt mm. like a like a roller coaster ride, and I really got invested in characters that I would never think in a million years I would get invested in, like, uh, like the Rat Catcher. I thought mm. that the reimagining of Ratcatcher 2 in terms of what they did with the character was freaking brilliant. And it it's like, oh my God, this girl is not only, if she was a mutant, she would be an Omega level mutant <laughs> in terms of what she's doing mm. with rats. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, but she uses a device. I know, but yeah. it's like, wow, I can understand why this girl would be considered a Batman villain because, mm. wow. And that's what I like about the movie, that there were a couple of scenes that I was like, wow, when Harley Quinn saved herself, Margot Robbie should thank Gunn for what he did with Harley Quinn on this movie, because after in, when, when I saw this movie, I was thinking, yeah, I can see why this girl was hanging out with the Joker, because mm. she was deranged, and the scene where she rescued herself, where she strangled a guy by lifting him oh my mm, god mm. i was thinking sweet lord yeah this is a girl who hangs up with the joker and the joker would say wow you're cool and i really liked uh, i i enjoyed so much i really am not kidding i really will kill to see with an audience hmm. because i have the impression this is the kind of movie that i saw at home and i enjoyed a lot i bet that if i saw this with an audience it would be even better Mm. Well, and I can speak to that, having actually seen the movie with an audience, and 
uh, it was it was very well received, and I enjoyed the experience immeasurably. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel because, uh, and and it's funny because Julian happened to have been in that particular preview <laughs> screening also. No, Julian, I don't know if you noticed those, but those cats who were sitting over to the to our right. They were, side me? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God! They were so irritating before you got there. I know. I was, and I was really hoping that they were going to tone it down, and hope. To, fortunately, they did because I was this close. Maybe my energy. See, my energy. <laughs> Just, what, were they loud? Uh, no, obnoxious they were just, slaughter? They were, just they were obnoxious. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, and, and they were so excited to be in the screening. <laughs> I mean, they were so excited. But, and in fact, they were uh, like going, they were doing some kind of live thing on their telephones and they were switching off. And I'm thinking, the movie ain't even started. Y'all are going live on your phones here. I mean, I wanted to say something to them, but I didn't want to exacerbate the situation. But all that to say that, uh, yeah, it was it was a really communal experience is, is the way that I would think about it. Uh, one moment, because time to remind everybody that you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia, and streaming via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Shireen Nicole and Julian Lytle and Roberto Ortiz. We have just been talking a little bit about the new film written and directed by James Gunn from Warner Brothers and DC Comics that just opened yesterday. It is The Suicide Squad, currently playing in theaters and also available for streaming via HBO Max. So uh, it's but it's a good movie. You might want to check it out. Uh, one, Roberto, you had something else to say? Yes, one thing I do disagree is that I do believe the movie does have something deep to say. The observation about U.S. foreign policy, specifically towards Latin America, especially me coming from that zip code, it's like, yep, this is on the nose. The the conflict specifically between the peacemaker and the rat catch, uh, sorry, and Rick Flag, and how that basically it's almost like a representation of the conflict within America itself on its foreign policy, how it behaves to uh, other countries and what they're doing, and how Rick Flagg was completely disgusted in terms of what was done. And I really, really, hell, I even like what they did with Rick Flagg in this movie, for crying out loud. So when he, uh, we're spoiling, by the way, the hell out of the movie, people. So You're spoiling. spoiling. <laughs> yeah. Nobody else has spoiled the movie the way you have spoiled it. But, it's okay. But if you're listening to this, please stop listening. Uh, <laughs> don't no, they, you don't. No, no continue to listen. Continue to listen. That's to not show. what you say at all. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned in. To okay, pause Absolutely. It, watch a movie and then come back to this. Um, no, which you are, just stop spoiling the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you... Thank you, Cherie. <laughs> But um, you should okay. Can we record a warning that we're going to be? This is live. We're live on the radio. All what Roberto is trying to say, I will help my friend. Thank you. The film has a lot of really great socio-political messaging that speaks to who we paint as villains and where other villains might be found, perhaps in government. Yes. Yes. I like the way you put that, Shireen. Jeez, See, that's on. that's yeah, you know, because 
I wouldn't have said that it had anything particularly deep to say about U.S. relations with other countries. Oh, it, I mean, something it, true. It yeah, oh, something, something true. But uh, again, that, that's not necessarily a profound... I mean, you know, because that's, <laughs> that's common knowledge. You, know? really, so, you have no idea how this is going to play in Latin America. I'm telling you, from coming from my point of view, mm -hmm. I will tell you, this is going to play in Latin America saying, yep. Is it right? Oh yeah. Uh, well, oh, it's 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 accurate. It's a, all I'm saying is it, it's not deep. It's not deep at all. I mean, it's 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 real and it's true. I mean, and that element is only getting worse. But you know, this seems like uh, a a good point to pivot just a little because one of the news items that we were talking about actually this seems like a wonderful segue to me because um, young uh, Zolo Maraduena yes. from Cobra Kai has been cast and there was a lot of talk about this because he was in negotiations or his representatives were in negotiations for him to uh, play blue beetle uh, jaime reyes and uh, there was a lot of reporting on the negotiations and then he actually got the part Great. and so and i didn't i didn't say anything about it until he got the part because i saw all these items where people are yes and he is in talks to do and i'm like yeah and talks is fine but let's actually wait until the contract is signed well the contract is signed now and this young man is a very talented young man also but this young man is going to be playing uh, what is dc comics first latino superhero that they're doing a movie about True. and uh, i i i'm just uh, Roberto, what do you? I mean, seeing as how you mentioned that you're from that zip code, and uh, you know, you this is all about representation, and uh, I'm I'm curious what your perspective is on this. I'm excited because uh, I like the character of the the version of Blue Beetle played by Jaime Reyes from the comic book. I think the character is fantastic. The way in the comic book, the way it was presented, the relationships and everything, it was a great reinterpretation of Blue Beetle and in the comic book at least it didn't feel like pandering it felt like a fully realized character in terms of what they did there with the Hispanic represent uh, version of Blue Beetle and the, the the scarab and all that that was great this kid, I see him in Cobra Kai he's fantastic so he looks the part perfectly He it's like he jumps right out of the page in terms of how I visualized when I was reading the comic book back in the day, Jaime Reyes would look in real life. And I think it's going to be great. And I agree that representation is important and there's going to be uh, controversy because of course there's the tech nor fans of uh, Blue Beetle who are going to be raising a stink about that, that it's not their version of the characters is going to be ba basically the flip of action is the Latin interpretation, but I'm okay with that. We'll so see. We'll see. Cause I actually, bet you Ted Cord will show up. He's going to go the new 52. Well, no, the rebirth version of the character. Ted Cord is alive and he mentors mm. Jaime. That's just, great. Just as with the ad of Ray Palmer mentors uh, the dude. Like, they was like, we can have our cake and eat it too. So, in, in current standing, is is both. So, okay. everybody could be happy because, you know, eventually they want to have. Uh, Ted Cord and Booster Gold uh, having shenanigans. Blue and Go. The greatest buddy movie of all time. Um, you know, but I, I agree with you. That's exactly what I was thinking they were going to do. Because it's the only thing that makes sense. Yes. That's it's a, great, a classic yeah. movie. It's a classic movie set up. It's been proven to work. 
and it makes everybody happy. So ditto. And the cool thing is that the character is cool, is compelling, and I like the fact that the director happens to be Puerto Rican. Uh, mm. He actually was uh, Will Smith Production Company was the one who discovered him. He did. They don't remember the late the name of him or the movie he did for the Will Smith Production Company. Angel Manuel Sota. Yes. Ah, there you go. And he actually grew or up. Manuel, sorry, Angel Manuel Sota. He grew up where I grew up, which is Santurce, Puerto Rico. So it's that's that street in Puerto Rico. Mm. So I think he'll do a good job, specifically in terms of presenting the family dynamics from Latin America, uh, in Puerto Rico, and then Paso. Uh, uh, I think it will work, and I want to see more of that, that kind of my culture on screen uh, with the superhero, mm. no less. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we get some Bad Bunny in the soundtrack. <laughs> Probably. Some J Balvin on that joint, Would not too. surprise me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, we actually get that some good music, because that's what DC do. They got good They got good soundtracks. Well, it has not to like the, the needle drops are incredible. Yeah. 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 The needle drops on on Suicide Squad, really great. I imagine they're going to be great again in this movie. And I will always take some, some J Balvin. <laughs> uh, that ain't even a question. Um but yeah and then there's yeah so it's exciting i feel and then don't we have a latina as our new super girl yeah mm-hmm. yes and bad girl yes <laughs> Duh, yeah yeah mm-hmm. yep so so this is really cool but boy <laughs> this is why representation is important because the director of that movie is from argentina and ah. he went out his way to hire a latina on purpose, and you should see the the inter- when she is introduced on, uh, I believe it was TikTok or Instagram, when she was being introduced, and they were talking to each other in Spanish, and it's like, mm. unless you're from my culture, you don't get it that for us to be able to code switch like that means that we're connecting to the person at a more personal level. Mm. We use mm-hmm. English as a formal communication, but when we connect with somebody and we're from the same culture, we'll code switch to Spanish. And the conversations are completely different. It's like the girl from, uh, oh my God, the Queen's Gambit. You should see mm. her when she starts talking in Spanish and she code switch to our culture. It's like, oh, you're one of us. And I get it. <laughs> you're passing. Good job. Anyway, <laughs> but <laughs> it's true. You accuse, you, I don't, is she passing or is she white presenting? There's a difference, yeah. right? Passing is when you hide your culture mm. and being white presenting is when other people assume your culture is not there. Good point. I think she's white presenting. Yeah. I think they're surprised when she she meets one of us and it's like she becomes an Argentinian and it's like, oh my God, you're one of them? It's like, no. yeah. There's a there's a long conversation about the nature of Argentina. And oh my like, God, don't get me started about that. Yeah, that's a completely different. But the director of of that move of, of Flashpoint, Flash, Flash, who happens to be Argentina, went out his way to hire a Latina. And I appreciate that. Mm. I really do. And I'm still mad about uh, Rick Fumarija not being able, <laughs> Weeja not being able to make this movie. Because yeah. when you see Dope, you realize that his Flash. Now I'm not saying the other dude's Flash is not going to be great. I'm just saying I really, really wanted <laughs> the Rick F Flash because I saw Dope. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we lost out there, but it's all right. I. I feel like we did. I feel like we did. Just like when we never got that um, 
oh, what's the uh, what's the director's name? The one who does the trolls on Netflix. Oh, oh, um, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Guillermo del Toro. The yeah. fact that I never got his Hobbit bothers me to this. No, day. you know what bothers me? He didn't get to do Justice League Dark. He really wanted to do that, and I that would have been great. Thank you. Yes. And I, I think the current method might work out better. Really? What we, are you saying, we, method? What's it? We get a, a Zantana movie, then we get mm. we get a, a new Constantine, and then we get uh uh they, they they like four of the characters get their own thing, and then we go <laughs> eventually get to oh Justice League. He's saying yeah. slowly put the, the band slowly together. Slowly put together because there's a bunch of characters beside outside of Constantine. The rest of the people gonna look at that like who what how are they a Justice League? Do you think they're gonna bring back Keanu to play Constantine? No. Really? No, they're not going to uh, bring Keanu Hopefully back. they get they're my gonna... man from um, Riz. I personally want Riz, Riz Ahmed. Ahmed. <laughs> want... Yeah, that's my <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> So wait, wait. So, Sheree talked about this. this wait, wait. So fire. you're thinking that they're going to race Ben? Uh, is it? He just needs to be British. They already announced that they're going to probably hire a person of color to be the new Constantine. A lot of people are going to lose their yeah. ever-loving minds. Maybe uh, not. That's fine. Well, they, get over it. it might be some Americans, but, you know, he just needs to be British, man. Yes. True. And Liz Ahmed is a perfect choice. We know he looks good blonde, and we know he can play those really in-between questionable characters. Um, yeah. and, and he's very good at accents. And, and just bringing that level of being Pakistani to that role huh. um, could be... Ama- I think Riz Ahmed is Pakistani, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Pakist- British Pakistani. Yeah. So... Um, that could be really incredible. Um, so that's my pick too. Julian and I have talked about it. How about yeah. Satana? They'll cast her soon Pardon. enough. Well, I wonder who they're gonna go with uh, with Satana. It don't matter. It don't matter. That character's it's really cool. So. She's gonna speak backwards, and as long as they cast somebody, <laughs> her father looks cool. <laughs> it all, it's all good, man. Oh. Um. Well, but the things that they have a lot. And they know somebody else too. They announced it's like three projects. J.J. J. Abrams is. Shepherding that group of characters hmm. into uh, many different medias. No, no, no. He's is he even part of Justice League Dark right now? I don't uh, think so. Ram V is he's not writing him in the current in the current runs. Now, how they do uh, Detective Chip? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. I think yeah, Shining Knight. I don't know if they announced that too, but we'll see how they figure Shining Knight out. Which version they they try to do? Well, Detective Chim for sure is gonna be the movie. Uh, it's it's such a what the hell concept that I think it will work. Oh, mm. break time. Yeah, well, um, I, I the one thing that I was gonna throw in uh, because I was when I heard about the uh, casting here, I started racking my brain trying to come up with Latino characters uh, that we've seen in. TV or on movies from DC, Bye. and yeah, that was that. That was all I came up with, you know. But um, I was excited about this particular character because I really like Blue Beetle. I had liked him because uh, I'd been reading him in the comics when they had uh, brought him in. Um, oh, good gracious! I want to say um, he was with the uh, with the Teen Titans, yes. and then in Young Justice they had him also. And uh, and I really liked all of that, but yes, as you as you point out, the musical cue means that it's time for us to take a short break. Of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA ninety six point seven FM here in Arlington. We're a community radio station. We're non commercial. 
We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters and our sponsors and our listeners for the ongoing operation of the radio station. Visit the website at WERA.FM or our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media, at ArlingtonMedia.org. Find out how you can become involved in this wonderful institution that is community media. So we're just beginning to scratch the surface of what we've been talking about today. Stick around because Shireen and Julian and Roberto and I will be back with more right after this. And we're back here on the Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia, and streaming via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Roberto Ortiz and Shireen Nicole and Julian Lytle. And when we took the break, we had been talking about the casting of Zolo Maraduena, uh, from who you may have seen on Cobra Kai, very well-received show that uh, is on Netflix. And this young man has been cast as Jaime Reyes, who, if you are not familiar with the character, he is known as Blue Beetle. And uh, you might have heard of Ted Cord, who is the original Blue Beetle. Well, actually, wait, Ted Cord wasn't actually as yes, he was. He was yes. In fact, let me give some people some mics here so we can <laughs> mention that because, yeah, Ted Cord wasn't actually the original Blue Beetle. He was the second Blue Beetle. Yep. You know? And uh, who was the original Blue Beetle? Oh, my God. Oh, uh, shoot. <laughs> well, there was Dan a guy. Garrett. Oh, thank yeah. you. There you go. You know? So, um, anyway, but uh, this is the third incarnation. And in my mind, uh, one of the one of the cooler incarnations because this this scarab that actually attaches itself to Jaime's body and gives him these incredible it basically makes an armor. I mean, sort of like the Giver. It huh? makes him into a common rider. Yeah, there you mm-hmm. go. Yeah, you know that. Then that's uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's I why. Saw. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I like the fact that a big part of the character is the relationship between Jaime and the Scarab, and that the Scarab is basically wants to destroy and kill. <laughs> 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 he has to pull back the Scarab from doing horrible things to people constantly. So I I'm looking forward to seeing the banter between him and the Scarab, and. Also, him basically trying to. I like the fact, basically, the way the character is presented in the comic book. I'm not sure if they're going to do this in the movie, where it's just a normal kid whose biggest ambition is to become a dentist, for crying out loud. It's not. He's not special. He's not a uh, he, flash. He's just a normal kid. And that's one, one thing that uh, I really like from the comic book that Jaime Reyes was a, just a normal kid, Latino kid. And. He's granted this opportunity. There's nothing special about it. Oh, 
Shireen, is that you? <laughs> wow. Is that me doing what? No, no. It was there? Yeah, was there like a plane flying around? It sounded like you were getting abducted by aliens or something. <laughs> yeah, that was a heck of a it, thing. It, it, it might be. <laughs> <laughs> it frightened me. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but um, no, isn't that the case though with uh, most? great heroes or great leaders uh, they don't aspire to that yeah but they have whatever this role is thrust upon them by well, circumstance i say that post the success of spider-man yeah yeah but yeah because that's clearly what he was kind of made to be like you mm-hmm. know, every, it seems like every 10 or so years it's like yo we gotta make a gotta make a new type of spider-man out here <laughs> let's uh, change is, the color yes. up you yeah. know let's change the background up but you know we got to have that feeling because what was it it was a it was a static and then we get to uh we get to Jaime mm-hmm. and and then we get to Miles and then so yeah so mm-hmm. but, inter- do? but the interesting thing of, of Jaime is that he doesn't have the element of try at least from my ex- well ex- he experience well, is story he doesn't but the care but the character does because like initially ted was was murdered mm. yes 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 and that's yes. how he got the scarab mm. and then that's mm-hmm. why all the heroes centered around him to help him become a hero because like they lost their friend for sure mm-hmm. that's not going to happen because there's rumors that they do want to do a booster gold and blue gill well no nah, they're not going to do that because that orchard doesn't exist anymore mm. yeah well now all right correct me if i'm wrong but the original blue beetle had the scarab and he had powers yes. yeah exactly yeah and then but ted cord he could he was like a power. guy who yeah but i mean the scarab was like hanging around but he, he built yeah. this stuff and yeah. built him a costume kept, and all they called himself it. yeah he kept it but mm-hmm. yeah he, he didn't he couldn't access it and dan garrett couldn't access all of it he got like super strength some invulnerability but he couldn't do like all the stuff they made they gave to jaime mm-hmm. but, but yeah the, but the problem they had is basically is that when watchmen came along and watchmen basically as we all know, they basically took the characters that they were supposed to be using from the Charlton Yeah, the Charlton characters. Yes. You know, but which lo- DC had acquired, and uh, Alan Moore was going to uh, use these things uh, in this story. And then it was determined, hey, why do we want to waste these characters? They're great characters. We've licensed them. We can do other things with them. You know, let's create analogs for them and uh, do something else. Uh, and uh, I think that worked out a lot better. And that actually worked out too well because what's the name of the analog for Blue Bill in, uh, in Watchmen? Uh, isn't it Night Owl? Yeah. Night Owls, yeah. yes. But the owl chip, all those <laughs> elements basically mm-hmm. are from Blue Bill. And yeah. now if you see that present on screen, you'll say, oh, that's not that's from Watchmen. They're ripping off Watchmen, which is not the case because <laughs> it's backwards. <laughs> so it's better for them to basically just go back to the original concept of Scarab and all that. So I understand why in terms of a movie, not only that, that I feel like Jaime is a more relatable character in terms of seeing him on screen. Well, it doesn't hurt that... Well, all right. What I, what I was starting to say was that every so often, and it, it depends on the knowledgeability of your fan base, yeah. but every so often something... I mean, because I remember when... Um, uh, what was it? The uh, the film adaptation of um, uh, what you call it? Uh, John Carter, Warlord of Mars, came yeah. out, and people wanted to act like 
John Carter had ripped off stuff when actually John Carter, yeah. yeah, was the first presentation of some of this. And in fact, even... Uh, you know, the Superman guys ripped off John Carter in terms of, hey, he can leap tall buildings in a it's, single bound type thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, It's because people don't read books. That's why all those people, Arrakis looks like Tatooine. No, dum-dum. <laughs> <laughs> or, or read or, a book. Or the shadow and Batman. That Basically, you see the shadow and you, you realize, wait, they're, the, the relationship with the commissioner... The, the a whole bunch of pushes elements yeah. that you're like, well, they, they ripped up this from each other. And the, the Z and Zorro and the Scarlet Temperament. Yes. All of that. The thing is, like, some of this just is not even that difficult. It was like, Dan Dio killed Ted Core for a while and they made up a new Blue Beetle. If I'm sitting there as an executive, I'm like, we could make the white scientist dude but diversity is in and you you already have you already have another one that makes better toys there's nothing, exactly there's nothing there's not even that hard to think about it's like you put them all on the table it's like well he works better as a movie and he works better as a tv show mm. and with it with his friends yeah with booster go you don't need Ted to have his own. you need him to be with booster gold yes yes and gold, the greatest <laughs> yes. buddy Show, so, movie, whatever you want it to be of all time. And that's a weird Better thing than that, Lethal Weapon. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know you're going too far. I was going to say, which is I a pretty good Murtaugh. buddy okay. thing. Yeah. Riggs and Murtaugh. You got a lot of anger in your chest. It's just a joke. Riggs and That actually was almost accidental that the chemistry between Blue... I remember reading those comics back in the day and realizing that the chemistry between Blue Bill and Booster Gold almost came out by accident. That these two characters would blend so well. And... And it surprised, I think, a lot of people that because Booster Gold was his own thing for the longest time, mm -hmm. uh, Blue Beetle was his own thing, and combining these characters was like lightning in a ball. <laughs> mm. Well, that that happens sometimes too. I mean, sort of by accident, you stumble across something, and it, it is well received by the audience. I mean, I don't okay, I I don't watch Criminal Minds, uh, uh, but I understand that the character, this character named Garcia. Uh, you know, who yeah. is like their lab person or whatever. When that actress was hired, that was like a day player thing. She was coming on and she was, and, but the audience reacted well. And so ah. it's like, hey, yeah, we'd like you to come back. We'd like you to do more of this. You know, you can. Plus, she had great chemistry with Shamar Moore. Yes. They had this great oh, interplay. See, there you go. There mm -hmm. you, you say, you say, mm -hmm. chemistry with Shamar Moore. <laughs> and I, you ain't got to say nothing else. Like, I, I know what that is. <laughs> well, but I was surprised when I actually, I mean, because I, I, all right, I mean, just as an aside, I watched the pilot episode of Criminal Minds back during uh, the quarantine. Because, you know, why not? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, let's see what this thing is all about. And I, I don't know that I would go back to that. I mean, it was, uh, you know, Julian, it was good. But it wasn't my thing, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, I, I, I recognized why this was something that was extremely well received, you know. Uh, but pivoting back to uh, to Blue Beetle, because you know, that, and that's kind of where we were uh, anyway. I mean, just in terms of uh, is sort of that that act as a creator of throwing the spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. Um, you know, seeing what is well received, and it's just nice at this point to see uh, some of these studios uh, or um, houses of ideas or 
bastions of uh, creativity, recognizing that uh, not only is there a need for this diversity in terms of these characters, uh, particularly because the audience is so incredibly diverse and hungry for characters that resemble them. You know, I mean, it, it's and it have done pretty well in terms of showing more black faces, but in terms of Asians and everybody else, uh, yeah, yeah, excuse me, everybody else. <laughs> thank you. A lot easier than me rattling through, uh, you know, the 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 whole litany of stuff. But yes, in terms of everybody else, uh, it's been bad, and it hasn't been great in terms of African Americans either. I mean, it just so happens that you know they're they're going to stick a black face. I mean, I'm reminded of. Superman the movie and uh, you know it's like okay so you had there was the pimp you know you know was, oh, you know, say Jim, that's a bad I outfit it was, I thought it was hey Jack that was, uh, either way, yeah, that was cold. Yeah. That was a cold line, though. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's true. That was a bad outfit. You were like, oh. he had a cape and everything. You know. <laughs> but, but here's, but here's the question: What's the difference between representation and pandering? And that's the the line I've never been clear because uh, when I hear when we do this and it needs to be done, a lot of people accuse. Oh, basically, companies are pandering. Who are these people? Hmm. Good hmm. point. All right, wait, I would also wait, wait, wait say one second. Wait, Shireen, I absolutely want you to take this, but before you do, you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA, 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia, and streaming via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Julian Lytle and Roberto Ortiz and Shireen Nicole, who was just getting ready to tell us what the difference is between representation and pandering. Shireen. Well, one of the differences is how it's done. Pandering typically is done so that the property can wave a flag and say, hey, hey, look what we did. But it's usually a very shallow, very empty form of character lacking any culture hmm. or any real or any real fully realized personality right it's you know they're just there as a kind of marker for oh look at how progressive we are representation and inclusion um means really digging into who this character is, where they come from, background, culture, all of those little things that make a character feel real. In other words, it requires more homework. I'll, I'll <laughs> add this, though, is that even if you do all that, there's going to be a contingent of people oh, that's yeah. going to call it pandering. Right, because, to them, because they get clicked. Yeah, well, because even if they're not even social media, if some people feel that everything need to look like the way they felt it should look yeah. and when it moves out of that way it is something else at a certain point you have to like not think about or worry about it yeah well, i think that the fact is that we all have different under like 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 mainstream culture seems to think that we're all monoliths right that we all have one mind it's like this the black hive mind <laughs> the, the 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 latin hive mind you know mm, and that's mm. not that, you know the Asian hive mind we don't have that what we have are very different people that take up a culture that we loosely agree on whatever <laughs> that consists of right so you will get a lot of accusations of inauthentic blackness 
which is kind of scary for people like me because sometimes the representation that I'm seeing is black women like me being called inauthentically black and I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that right oh yeah Um, and so you do have a lot of that but what satisfies that problem is variety when you have a variety from all of our to borrow uh, from all of our to borrow Roberto's term zip codes then you you run into less of you know it being a singular representation for example the series never have I ever a lot of Tamil people South Indian folks they had problems back and forth but I think that's because this was the only representation in America of Tamil people you know and so of course there's going to be an argument when we have more then everybody feels seen it's kind of like the new movie Viva that's coming out in Netflix which is uh, it's a love letter to the Cuban culture mm-hmm. and people, people were telling me oh well it's basically it's like Coco and I had to sit down with the person and explain to him A the Cubans and the Mexicans are completely different <laughs> B <laughs> You did not have to explain that. Uh, I bet he did. He's <laughs> like, B, I'm about to rip your head off because you don't understand specifically how different the different cultures are. And I like the fact that now we have a movie about the Colombian culture from Disney, uh, a movie from uh, also from Netflix from the Cuban culture, and we have Coco, which was a representation of the Mexican culture. And I would like to see that more of different cultures of the planet more representation Absolutely. show me the different culture show me a movie about a person from Pakistan which I know Kamala Khan but mm-hmm. uh, but show me a, a, a representation more from people from I don't know Southeast Asia from the Philippines I want to see Samoan Samoan I see yes Samoan films well, you, you know got, you got close to that with Moana true but I would say I guess a big issue with this is that Three out of the four films we, we, we just talked about had Lin Manuel Miranda involved. Yes, mm-hmm. and he's there needs to be more people involved. There needs to be more people involved. But Coco and Vivo have very different storylines. That's true. Not only are they culturally quite different, their storylines are yes. not anywhere near the same. And, and they're related specifically to the culture. And that's what mm-hmm. these companies would benefit from because look how they got this completely new culture, uh, this story basic specifically on the culture and in vivo how they're telling the story of Celia Cruz for the love of God thank uh, <laughs> you Gloria Estefan is Celia Cruz I thank, thank you, you. I, saw, I saw the commercial and I was like that's Celia freaking Cruz that's wow Celia you guys are like, annoyed and I talked about that too we're like it's Celia Cruz yes. which is great yes thank you more people should know who she was well Netflix didn't make a whole a whole series about her so yeah. if people wanted a- to know they if they want to take the time to watch things with Spanish with subtitles, they can. That is an um, that is a mainstream American problem yeah. that they don't want to watch that things with subtitles. Yeah, yeah. Well, and beyond that, uh, it, it's simply the fact that there are a lot of Americans who cannot discern between Mexicans and Cubans, and you know, between Japanese and Koreans and Chinese. You know, I mean, it's it's mind you know, blowing. Yeah, well, it's problematic. Yeah, is it mind blowing? It's problematic. It's not mind blowing, not anymore. It's just problematic. It Mm. is, and it's it's. Oh my God! Comparing a Japanese and a and a Korean, good God, that's that's some more politics we can't get into. Whoa, yeah, but but uh, 
you know, like, like even with me, when I tell people that my family, part of my family is from Dominica, I cannot tell you how many people try to correct me. You mean the Dominican Republic. Nope. Do I? Wow. Is this your family or is it mine? Because I mean Dominica, not the Dominican Republic. I, I'm not new to my family. They, they don't right? even know that exists, Shereen. There's so many things people don't even look on a map. They sit mm-hmm. right but there. But you do not correct someone <laughs> on their own culture. You say, oh, I never heard of Dominica. Where is that? Mm. Not you mean the Dominican Republic, which is what I actually get. Well, it depends on who you happen to be. I mean, if you have somebody who just assumes because of who you are that you don't know what you're talking about when it comes to your own family. I mean, and I'm just I'm just glad I haven't been around when somebody has said something like that, because that is that is incredibly insulting. Wow. It is. And people do it all the time. Yeah. And and they don't they don't even think about it. You know, they, they hear this yeah. thing and they're, oh, no, you mean, no, I don't mean that. If I meant the Dominican Republic, I would have said the Dominican Republic, fool. But that's a problem exactly. specifically. That and it's like when Asian people will say, where are you from? They say Arizona. They say, where are no, you No, no, really? where are you really from? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Just uh, hey, like, I can just look at you and tell you ain't from Arizona. <laughs> you know? Well, like, can you? But going back to the concept specifically of the stories that can be told that the Dominicans specifically Specifically, I was telling before the show how I saw this documentary in Netflix specifically about the issue of colorism in, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, not Netflix, on PBS, the history of colorism in Dominica, which is amazing because they have their own mess that is unique to them, honestly, compared to the rest mm-hmm. of Latin America. Every and, colonized culture has colorism problems that come from colonization. Well, you know that Dominica weaponized that soccer, specifically in terms of the laws they've been passing lately. And that's the thing, you could still, you don't know this. Yeah, they're trying to get rid of all the brown people in the Dominican Republic. Hmm. In the Dominican Republic. Yeah, they are. Hmm. They actually do have to prove proof of citizenship after 1925. Wow. If you don't prove that your, your great-grandmother was illegally there, they kick you out. Wow. Yes, that's, that's a thing. And that's it. you could tell story a story about that, and it would be great drama. And we don't get stories like that. We have this mindset about only stories about the U.S., but we should expand in terms of the conflicts that are happening in like that kind of conflict. The United States don't care about stuff like that. No kidding. <laughs> so, no, they don't. So, but we don't even get joy. That's the problem. We get we get issue based entertainment yeah. more than we get just joy we don't yes. get the coming of age stories that don't have guns as often you see what i'm saying yeah. and and so that's another part of the problem is that we don't get to be 360 degree humans agreed and it's when that person told you that thing about the dominican culture holy cow they don't realize how hurtful that is it's like me well, they me don't being, care me being told about my own culture by some, what's the expression when women basically have somebody explain to them? Uh, man, mansplaining. mansplaining. <laughs> so, is there a term like they that? Mansplaining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I cannot even fathom how I must feel somebody to explain my own culture to me. It's like, <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. I have 20 years of my life. I knew nothing. Thank you. One person <laughs> come to me and exp- Yes, that happened to me recently when I was talking about the status issues with somebody who happened to be American. That was awesome. 
what I was trying to explain the situation and the political situation in Puerto Rico, and the person was explaining it to me, and I was trying to explain <laughs> to him, it's more complicated than you think. Please stop. Wow. So, yeah, no, people people do that all the time, and uh, it's uh, I, I regret that uh, anybody has to deal with that, you know, but that that's part of... That's part of the level of insensitivity yeah. that, uh, and and you know the the people who are doing it don't see it as being insensitive, you know, but they don't have to think about it. They haven't ever had to think about it, and so it's privilege. Yeah, pr thank you. Yes, it thank is. you. Oh my goodness, you know, but uh, and oh, we could there could be a whole show just on that. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going to thank my guests and you too for tuning in because regrettably we're out of time for this episode of Fantastic Forum but uh, that doesn't mean that the ride is over you can always visit the website at fantasticforum.tv we actually have all of the various episodes of the TV show because yes it's a TV show as well have those broken out along with the various segments we've got interviews we've got special features we've got event coverage we've got toy and game profiles we've got all kinds of stuff there on that website along with uh, a link to the various episodes of the radio show and the radio show is available as a podcast you can download it and take it with you and listen to it anywhere thanks to our friends over at the great geek refuge visit all those platforms where you can find your favorite podcast and we are there also the show re-airs each and every Thursday afternoon right here on WERA 96.7 FM from 3 to 4 p.m. So if you happen to miss any portion of it over the weekend, you can go back on Thursday and check that out. So a lot of really fun stuff happening, cool stuff, cool ways to explore the fandom. And uh, I'm just so delighted that is the case. But, um, as always, uh, very sorry that we have to leave you. Uh, you still have some time to get over to Otakon. Um, I had uh, actually been away and traveling and didn't mention the fact that BlurredCon was a couple of weeks ago, so this isn't the first uh, event that we have had uh, since the quarantine's lifted, but you know how it is. Anyway, so come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, people.